good morning. Glad all of you are here to uh, worship with us at Church in the Valley. Uh, it is fun to, to be together. And we're continuing uh, the message series that we've started uh, five weeks ago. And during this series, what we've been doing is trying to take a picture of what love is. And not just what it, what it means, but what does love do? Uh, what does it look like on a daily basis as you interact with people? Uh, how does that affect uh, our relationships with those that we do interact with? How does it affect our relationship uh, with God? And uh, if you're like me, love has become maybe a term that has lost a little bit of its meaning. Uh, it can become kind of blurred or fuzzy because of so many different people use love to signify different things. How you love food, you love your pets, you love a TV show, you love your spouse, you love your friends. And it's kind of confusing sometimes as to, okay, well, what, what does that really what does that really mean? Uh, and the good news is what we've been doing is looking to the Bible to kind of define what love is, to kind of sharpen our scope uh, to the meaning of that, that one word. And it is packed full of meaning. We've been spending a lot of time in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And verse after verse in that chapter basically unpacks what love is. And I just wanted to review kind of briefly where we've been the last few weeks. We started talking about how love uh, matters most to God. It is crucial to him. Uh, he is the one that has designed love. He's described as love and he wants us to experience it as we relate to him and as we relate to each other. Then we talked about the importance of moving past envy and how envy is an enemy of love. When we envy those people in our life because of what they have or the status or the success, that there's actually a, a kind of barricade to the flow of love. It cannot flow freely. Uh, then we talked about humility, how that is so crucial as well to put others in front of yourself. That's like the, the true picture of what love is, a picture of, of sacrifice, a picture of you not being the most important person in your world, but realizing that you're here to serve and to love people by putting them in front of yourself. That's easy to say, but it's very difficult. And so we need help and, and God provides that. And then last week. Uh, we talked about the importance of, of honor and how love gives value to others. Uh, it never wants to disrespect or devalue or put somebody in their place because of what they've done or haven't done. But love actually decides to, to give the respect that's due everyone because we're made in his image. Today we're talking about forgiveness. And how forgiveness is a direct expression of love as well. And how that forgiveness brings freedom to our life. And freedom is another word that, that we hear a lot. But in the scriptures, freedom is this picture of what it actually means to do life God's way. You're not constrained by the chains of emotion, of sin, of your past. You actually can experience life to its fullest. And that actually kind of stems from forgiveness. So we're going to spend uh, most of our time there this morning looking at that uh, and kind of the outcomes that happen as we actually decide to forgive those in our life. And we're going to continue in 1 Corinthians 13. If you have an outline, uh, I encourage you to pull that out and follow along. If you need a pen, there's some on the aisles there. Feel free to grab one of those as well. Uh, but we're going to continue in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, uh, verse 5, the second part of that. And this is what it says. It says, love keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, if you're like me in this day and age, uh, I have a, sometimes a hard time picturing kind of a record book, like a checkbook. Do you remember what those were? Checkbooks, right? Do people use those anymore? It's like online. Okay, we got we got a couple. There's like online banking. You've got your phone. Everything's electronic. And sometimes we forget just this picture of what, what is a record book. Well, in this passage, it literally means like it's like a ledger. And as it's connected to forgiveness or unforgiveness, it's talking about when people wrong you, you just you make a note in there. We're rude. Minus one. You put it back in your pocket. Then they do something else. Took the last slice of cake. Minus three. It was cheesecake. Chocolate cake, maybe minus two. Cheesecake minus three. And you just kind of keep it. Didn't consider me. Said something, didn't follow through, and, and we, you just, you write them down, you write them down, you write them down. And this description is love does not keep a record of wrongs. And we don't do this in real life. We don't have this, this book that we pull out and just kind of jot the things that people do to us. But we don't need a book because it's right here. We can remember. These are wrongs like broken promises disrespect. In fact, if you look at what we've talked about the last few weeks, we kind of keep a record of all those things that people don't do. If people, uh, if we're jealous of people, we kind of mark that in the book or why did they get that? We mark that. Uh, if they put themselves in front of us, we mark that. They don't consider us. We mark that. And, And it's kind of etched in our memory. And the Bible here is so clear in just those few words, it basically cuts a new standard for what love is creates a new picture. Love doesn't keep any record. So that kind of begs the question, well, well then what, what does that mean as forgiveness? Well, there's kind of three ways that, that we can approach forgiveness. As we kind of think through this record of wrong that we have in our head, that we have in our memory from our experiences with people and all the things that they've done to us to create hurt, disappointment, sadness, bitterness, any of those things. The first is we can refuse to forgive. That is an option. For the wrong that people have done in your life, you can just take a stand and say, I will not forgive them. I'm going to take inventory of what they've done. I'm going to record it in my book and I'm going to keep that book for safekeeping. I'm going to refuse to let it go. The second is you could pretend to forgive. This is kind of like you you have that record book and you haven't looked at it in a long time and you've stored it somewhere. And you kind of forget that that wrong that they've done is there. But all of a sudden they do something again that just was wrong. They hurt you again. And before you know it, you've pulled out that record book. And you thought you forgave them, but for some reason it just brought up those feelings again. And that just crushed. And you pull out that record book and you're like, yes, they did that. 1993, I remember. The record book is still there. You may not look at it often. But if you experience that same loss again, you you want to pull it out. And the third thing is to actually forgive, to choose to forgive. This is taking the record book, the memories that you have in your head of the wrong that people have done, and you decide to forgive them. You decide that you will not use that wrong that they have done against them anymore. So we either refuse, we pretend, or we choose. Those are our three options. We can't really just ignore this idea of forgiveness. 
the scriptures have forced us to take a stand. And what we're going to be talking about this morning is the choice that you make greatly determines the impact and the love that you experience in your relationships. And so my goal is all of us will take a look at what we do when people wrong us. We'll take a look at kind of the emotions that come, which are real, which affect us, which actually do hurt. That may go into anger. Frustration, all those emotions to take a look at those and see, OK, well, what do I do when those things happen? What do I do when those things come? Hurt, disappointment, sadness. When these things happen, they, if we don't deal with them, they, they turn into anger. We find that there's just stuff boiling underneath the surface as we relate to people. Because they wronged us and it was not right. But if we don't deal with these emotions, they, they become chains. I want to show you, a, I have a couple props this morning. So what I thought I would do was show how... The emotions that we, Mr. T, anyone, right? Um, I thought I would show a lot of times when we, we experience hurt or pain, uh, we kind of think, well, it's, it's no big deal. It, it's not really affecting us. And we kind of think it's like a chain like this, like, okay, maybe we're tied to it. Maybe it's, it's causing some, some pain, but it's no big deal. And I thought, well, a chain like this is a little bit of the picture of what happens when those emotions come. And I thought, you know, the, these are easily broken. That's kind of how we, we view when someone wrongs us. It's not a big deal. It's kind of like this chain. We're not really tied to it. And then I like tried to break the chain. And like, I can't do it. So this whole point of this illustration was to show that I could, you know, we can break this, but I, but I can't. Like this, this can't be broken. So even like this kind of minor emotions that we feel like, ah, it's not, nothing big. We're not really tied to this. We're not really hostage. These emotions aren't a big deal. It's kind of like a small chain. And then I tried to break the chain and like, I can't do it. And I'm not that strong. I'm sure I could call a volunteer and you could break it. The point is for my illustration, I can't break it. So then I thought, well, do you think I can break this? Do you think there's no way there's no way. When we have emotions that come, when we don't forgive, it's like being chained. And we hear this term, but could you imagine, you know, walking around with this all over and even bigger links than this and just, that's uncomfortable. I'm limited in what I can do. I'm limited in how I can move. And if these are all over you and you're just chained to them, you're, you're, you're a prisoner. You cannot move forward. You can't make progress. This is the picture of what these emotions do. And what we're going to talk about today is kind of what the first link starts with. And the first link that keeps us hostage in our emotions as we deal with the wrong that we've experienced is that of bitterness. And I want to talk about bitterness a little bit and what, what the Bible has to say about that. We're going to look in the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians... Uh, it kind of describes bitterness as the first link in the chain that keeps us hostage. And bitterness, it replays the memory of the wrong you experiences, and it resurfaces painful emotions. When you've been wronged, bitterness is what ties you again to that pain. You replay it again and again. It's this first link in the chain. 
And you experience other emotions and the second sadness is the second link. And then disappointment is the third link. And then anger. And then you're, you, you're, just, you're hurt. And it just goes again and again and again. Before you know it, you, you're wrapped in. You're totally locked to these emotions. But bitterness is the key. And so part of why forgiveness is something you have to deal with is because when bitterness sets in, it begins to rot from the inside out. The chains are latched on and, and you, you can't move. And this is, this is what God does. He helps us to see what the reality is. And then, like he always does, he shows us what to do. And that's helpful because I've been chained to emotions before. I've been chained to pain and to hurt and to anger. And it's not the life that I want, but I'm not stuck there. God gives me an opportunity to show the way to freedom. And the way to freedom from the chains of these emotions is through forgiveness. But it starts with dealing with bitterness. God commands us to take the first step toward the freedom. And this is Ephesians 4. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. Clamor is is basically like just screaming. Okay, so you want to get rid of screaming. Screaming at people or just this like, God, why? That's clamor. We don't use that term, but that's what it is. Ah! Clamor. Okay, you hear that? Go, that's clamor. Okay, now you know. And slander be put away from you along with all malice. Malice is like anger, but like, it's not just angry like, why would they do that? It's like anger like, I'm going to hunt them down. Now you know that too. That's malice. Uh, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So we're going to kind of look at those two verses. Uh, The first thing is let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That's verse 31. Those are the, those emotions that wrap you in chains. So how does forgiveness deal with those? Well, this is how forgiveness is a decision and a process. If you've ever tried to forgive, but you find that you're still tied to that pain, there's a reason for that. It's a choice you must make. And at the same time, it's a process you must work through. When you've been wronged, and really wrong, like there's deep hurt. It's not something that you just say, well, I, I forgive them. And you never have to think about it again. It's something that's still there and you have to work through. And we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit later. But you can make the decision to forgive right now. And it can be done in an instant. No matter how long ago. Someone did something to you. You can forgive them right now. And, and you've forgiven them. The decision is made. Now, the process of forgiveness requires commitment and resolve. Working through that, dealing with the emotions, is something that you're going to have to work again and again. Now, when we actually do this and decide to make that decision and work through the process, we're aligning ourselves with the God who's forgiven us. That's the fuel behind this. That's what cuts through the change. Not our strength, not our ability to think higher of the situation than it is, but it's, it's the love and forgiveness of God that breaks the chains that we cannot break by ourselves. That's what forgiveness does. It brings freedom. Freedom that can only come from the love of God himself. 
And when we celebrate Easter in two weeks, that's the picture. Like what Ben mentioned, the fact that Jesus came, he took our sin, he died on the cross for us, and he rose again, showed us death could not make him a prisoner. Pain could not make him a prisoner. People coming against him, he's not a prisoner. He rose again because of the power of God. And that's the picture that's all connected to forgiveness. That's all that's packed in there. The reason this is real is because of Jesus Christ. Because of the relationship that God wants to have with us. But this decision and the process is actually one of the best decisions you can make. Because when you decide to get rid of the record of wrongs, to discard it, you're still going to have to work through it. But what you've decided is you're no longer going to be the judge. See, the record of wrongs is like evidence that you want to bring to a judge and say, okay, here's how they failed me. What are you going to do? And everything in us is like, throw them in prison, throw them in prison. Right? Because how could they do that to us? But when we decide to forgive, we're basically saying, God, you are the judge. I can't keep track of the wrong that they've done or the wrong I've done to them or how they were kind. I can't keep track of the math. I don't know how the math works. It's not my job to be the judge. That's God's. The freedom that comes from that is amazing. We don't have to be the judge of the people in our life. That's God's job. And he does it better than all of us because he, he knows every single component of every single one of us. That should be a relief. If you develop the habit of forgiving, you're also free to enjoy your relationships now. See, what bitterness does is it, it links us to the past. We're always looking back. And there's people right in our life, right here and now, that we're not fully engaged with because we're looking back at the past. Now, if I were to walk forward, looking back, what would happen? I would fall. And that would probably be tragic. There might be some that would laugh. There's always a little part of it, oh, well, that was kind of crazy. But if I was just looking back, I could fall right off. There's danger ahead. So important that you're here, the here and now, you're looking ahead, you're looking at the people around you. Well, well, bitterness, it ties you to the past. So you can't enjoy the relationships here and now. And it's freeing us from those thoughts and emotions that prevent this real love. As we've been talking about this, this love in high definition, we're talking about this clear picture. This idea and image of, of what love is. Well, these thoughts and emotions, these chains, it's like static. We, we cannot see clear. God wants us to experience this real love that comes from discarding the record of wrong. So let's kind of begin with the two components of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says this. It says, be kind to one another. Can you scroll down a little? There it is. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Okay? Forgiveness is a command. We're supposed to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. 
each other. Why? Because God in Christ forgave you. We forgive because God has forgiven us. Here's the two components of forgiveness which I've mentioned. The first is there's a decisional component of forgiveness. I decide to forgive this person for the wrong they've done to me. You make the decision. Love keeps no record of wrongs. I'm commanded to forgive. I will forgive them for what they have done. If that's true, I will forgive them because God has told me to. So you just make that decision based on the fact that it's a command from God himself. It's that important. At the end of the service, I'm going to show you a little bit, uh, a clip from somebody who I, I see kind of embodies this decision to forgive. And it's from my favorite book. It's about the life of Corey Ten Boom, who was a, uh, a World War II survivor, of a concentration camp, and was kind of in the midst of terrible suffering, terrible pain, family members killed, and uh, really tried to help rescue Jews. And in her book, The Hiding Place, you see this picture of kind of how God worked in through this pain, through the suffering, and how she was able to forgive. And it's just a gripping story. But on this kind of deciding to forgive, she had a quote that I think makes a lot of sense. It says, forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. So right now you see that you make decisions regardless of what you feel. That should be a huge relief. Because if you're like me, sometimes it's like, well, I don't feel it. I say that a lot about a lot of things. Why did you do that? I didn't really feel like it. Why did you say that? I felt like it. Why did you do that? I felt like doing it. Why did you not do that? I didn't feel like it. You get it? Right? A lot of times we just feel and feel governs what we do. But the truth is, you can decide based on what is right and what is true regardless of what you feel. Do you know how many, how many songs wouldn't exist if that's really true? Because it seems like feeling is everything in this day and age. Like even love, it's a feeling. Actually, no, love is a choice. And as you choose, feelings follow. The same with forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a feeling. If you only forgive when you feel like forgiving, you probably would never forgive. That's why this decision is so important. Because it's an act of the will, not based on the temperature of your heart. Because let's face it, when people have done wrong to us, we, we boil. We're mad. We're frustrated. We're hurt. All these things. That doesn't make us want to feel like forgiving. But we do it because that's what God commanded us to do. The second part of forgiveness is an emotional component. So here, here's where this can help you. You decide to forgive and you realize that that's going to be a process. But once you decide you have forgiven them, now you have to work through that. That's the process that I was talking about. That's the emotional aspect of forgiveness. You make the decision, then you have to work through the emotional. But you don't wait for the emotions to come around. You decide to forgive. Here's some components of how to make the decision to forgive people. Uh, It's kind of three Three basic steps. I say basic being that it's clear and it's not exhaustive, but not basic in the fact that it still is work. 
it's still just get that feeling like, I don't want to forgive them. We still have to work through it and do it because God told us to. First is we, we identify the wrong done. You can't forgive something you, you pretend didn't happen. So you have to identify here, here's what's the wrong done. Because if you don't, you say, you know, I, I forgive him for what? I don't know. That's like sticking dynamite under the carpet. Like we can't see it anymore. But like the fuse is lit. And what's going to happen is it's going to blow up. So you have to identify that's that cuts the fuse. You know what happened. You don't pretend it didn't happen. You identify it. Then you forgive them for that wrong. You you let it go. That's burning the record of wrongs. It's written down on a ledger somewhere. When you forgive him, you burn it. It's no longer there. And then the third, and this is the hardest, in my opinion, in my own life, in my experience, this is the hardest. When you decide to forgive, the third thing is refuse to use it against them ever again. Because you can't. Because the record of wrongs is no longer there. But everything in our head like, well, yeah, I, I still remember it. That's the process you have to work through, the emotional aspect. But refusing to use it, this is the freedom. That's true forgiveness because that's what God did for us. Could you imagine if God, every day we woke up, good morning, God, and he just kind of showed the screen of every choice we've ever made that was wrong? Would you be motivated to start your day? No. God's shown us that despite what we've done, he doesn't use that against us. He's forgiven us. And we should do the same with others as well. Refuse to use it against them ever again. You won't pay them back. That's what that means. You will not pay them back. Now, once the decision has been made, you enter into the process of the work of forgiveness, which is the emotional, the pain, the memories, all those things that are just in your head and causing you to struggle. Here's how you work toward emotional forgiveness. First is refuse to replay the memories and redirect the wrong thoughts and emotions. When you've experienced pain or hurt, it's like a movie's built. And there's a scene at the wrong that they've done. And even after you've decided to forgive, it's like someone hits play. And that memory comes. And we see the scene again and again. And those emotions come back. The pain, the hurt, the disappointment, the sadness, the anger. Part of how you have to work is you have to redirect your thoughts. You can't suppress them. You can't act like they don't exist. But when the pain comes, the anger comes, you redirect it. You think the truth. You say the truth. And that's found in, in the scriptures. You have to redirect those thoughts. Just things like, God, this, this memory is coming again. And I've forgiven them, but I am still stuck on what they did. God, I know that you've forgiven me against me. You don't use it against me. Help me to do the same with this person. You think the truth in the moment. That's what swinging the sword is. The Bible is kind of described as a sword that you fight with, and that's how you fight in your thoughts. 
your inner emotions. You fight with the truth of how God sees you, how God sees them. The fact that he loves them just like he loves you. That perspective is how we redirect. It's how we, for, we kind of get off the loop of that scene that they've done again and again. Total forgiveness, it's a lifelong commitment. And it's got to be practiced every day. That's the process. It's a lifelong commitment. You, you've forgiven them, but you work through those emotions as they come back, as they play. You work through it. Now, that, that can somewhat be discouraging. Because you think, well, if I decide, I just want to be done with it. But pain and sin... It, it leaves a mark. That's part of being human. That's part of relationships and how messy they get. But over time, and I've seen this and experienced this myself, over time, that scene doesn't play as much. Maybe it's not as long anymore. And over time after that, that scene may not even get played anymore at all. That's the process. Another thing you need to do to emotionally forgive is to deal with anger before it does damage. Ephesians 4 says this, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give an opportunity to the devil. This is like a practical verse. It's basically saying, okay, when the sun down, when the sun is setting, that's the clue. As you look outside and you see it's getting dark, you should ask yourself, do I have any anger towards somebody in my life that's unresolved? Is there something that somebody's done that has really bothered me, that has really irritated me, and I'm finding kind of the blood boiling. You let sundown be a, be a key. Okay, I, I, need to, I need to recognize that, see what the issue is, kind of figure out why I'm feeling like that, and then, then you deal with it. Again, you don't just sweep it under the carpet. You have, to, you have to deal with it. If you don't deal with anger daily, you forget its source, and, and you can't resolve it. If somebody's ever made you mad and they, they just did something that just really irritated you, maybe it's a coworker, and they just, they just did something that was so rude, they didn't consider you. And, you know, you leave work and you're just so frustrated at that person and you're driving home and you're thinking like, why would they do that? They, they're making more work for me. They, they made me look bad in front of my boss. And you're just, you know, you're fired up and you're driving home and all of a sudden you get home. And, you, you know, your kids greet you or your spouse greets you They're like, hey, how you doing? What do you want? You ever done that? No, me neither. I have never done that. But you guys know what I'm talking about. Things happen and it's related to something over here, a relationship. And then before you know it, it's affecting your other relationships. That's what anger does. You redirect it. You're mad at them. But you translate it to this person. They're like, whoa, whoa, what happened? And then you take a step back and you realize, oh, there's something there. I'm, I'm pretty frustrated. I'm pretty mad. You have to go to the source and you have to deal with that, with that person. That's where the forgiveness flows and you let go of the anger before God. Now, if you need help in this, in this process of what this really looks like, and just there's some pain there and you don't know how to deal with it, this is another aspect of the process of emotional forgiveness. And that's get wise counsel. If you're stuck in replay mode, the church is here to help. 
The church is here to help. You're not alone. There's people that have walked with God a long time that have experienced terrible things. Painful memories and experiences. And they've, they've learned how to deal with those. Those people can help you. So if you're stuck in this and you don't know how to get out of it, and you feel this change and they've, they've locked you up, and that bitterness has just tied the key and you think it's thrown away, there's help. God wants you to experience this freedom that comes from the forgiveness that he gives and then as we give it to others. So that might be a step you need to take as well. Uh, there's no erase button for our painful memories. But God wants to give the grace we need to work through them. A lot of times we think forgiving is forgetting. We don't forget. For some experiences, we may never forget. But forgiving is we won't use that against them. We won't make them pay. And as we want to make them pay, and as those feelings come, we deal with that before God. We ask for help. We remember the truth about them, the truth about us, how he sees them. So this is, this is the process of, of how God works all this together. This is love. This is the clear picture. There is no record of wrongs. And when the pain comes, we deal with it rightly. We make a decision and we work through the process. So I encourage you, part of this is, is you, just, you have to take an inventory. Are there spots and some relationships that you, you just know that there's some things here that you need to deal with? And you, you begin by you just ask God for help. Um, in a moment, we're going to be receiving our offering. And I just want to encourage you, take the time to just hear, just, does God want to tell you anything about this? Is there anything, is there any relationship or any pain or any just area in your life that you've never dealt with that, that God wants to come and he wants to free you from that? If you want prayer related to this, let us know. But on your connection card, there's some next steps. Why don't you pull that out? And as the band comes up, I'm going to walk through those. These are suggested next steps so you can figure out, okay, how do I go from what I hear to applying it to my life? We want to help you do that. That's where blessing comes from, doing what the Bible says. Uh, the first thing is pray and forgive someone before God. As you take that inventory, you pray and you forgive. The second is you might want to memorize Ephesians 4.32. It's one of the things that you can use to fight, to swing the sword. The third is, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and I follow him as Lord. This is really where forgiveness begins because you can't really forgive until you've experienced the forgiveness that comes from God himself. So if you've never entered into that relationship with Jesus Christ and he's not the boss of your life, I encourage you, take that step. That's where the freedom flows on this new path as you walk with him. Uh, like Ben mentioned, you can sign up for a life group. I encourage you to do that. Uh, what you do is you put the group number and then the night that it meets, and then we'll get you connected to the leader of that. So you can write that on the connection card. Uh, you may want to invite some family and friends to Easter, uh, like Ben mentioned, and then uh, you may want to help. So those are a few things. Um, I'm going to pray, and then I want to show you a little clip of Corey Tenboom, who I described earlier as this, this woman who worked through uh, forgiveness. Let's pray. God, we do need your help. And many times this feels 
Like these are words that we don't know what to do with. It, it just sounds just heavy and difficult. And because of what we've gone through, we're not sure even how to take a step forward. And so I, I pray for, for help, that you'll help people to see clearly. Uh, for all of us, help us to see just any of these emotions that we've hidden somewhere and they're just boiling underneath the surface. Uh, we don't want to remain tied to these chains. And so we ask, God, that you will break them. And God, give us the grace to begin to work through the pain that we've experienced or the anger. And we, we do need your help to do this. In the name of Lord Jesus, amen. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel aufseers in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God's grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Zambom, will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw, when I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5 5. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say, Brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. <laughs>